Gamecock Nation, welcome to the Cocky on Saturday podcast. I'm your host, James Beal, class of 2018, former student manager, and there's nothing I love more than talking some Gamecock football. Let's go. Y'all, it is officially game week. The off-seasons behind us, our sights are set on UNC. It is here. Somehow, something that seems so, so far away is officially here. Just four short days away from kickoff in Charlotte. Let's go. We'll be getting into our game week version of this podcast on Thursday. Today, we are here to bring you part four and the final part of our 2023 season breakdown. We're going to dive into this final home stretch with Vandy, Kentucky, and Clemson. If you're not a South Carolina fan, you're not going to love this episode. If you're a South Carolina fan, let's ride. This is going to be a good one. I'm predicting us to have a great year here. I know there's some haters out there. I know there's doubters. Because we have all the tools we need in the building. We got Shane Beamer. We got Spencer Rattler. Do I need to go on? We are here. We have turned the corner. This is our year. I'm buying in. You better buy in too. Game number 10, we have Vandy on deck. Coming off of a 5-7 and seven season last year, Vandy has somewhat turned into the laughingstock of the SEC. I said in an article I wrote earlier this year, Somebody has to be at the bottom. Vandy makes that very easy. Coach Clark Lee enters his third season there in Vandy. Sort of a defensive mind, but that really hasn't quite taken shape for Vanderbilt. And we're getting a little bit of advanced knowledge on this one. They've already played their week zero game. So we've had our first look at Vandy already. And I I know they came away with the win from Hawaii. But doesn't look like a new Vandy. Looks like same old Vandy. They're going to be able to get some non-conference wins, but I'm not expecting necessarily great things from them this year. They did pick up some nice wins at the end of last season against Florida and Kentucky. We have to see if they're going to be able to build off that momentum and take that into SEC play this year. But again, it's a kind of sit back and wait until they can prove it to us that they can do that on a consistent level. I'm not buying in yet. Let's start with the offense, though. A.J. Swan is the bona fide starter for them at the quarterback position. He looked pretty solid in that Hawaii game. He's really not much of a runner, so you're sort of losing that aspect, which is tough for an offense that's not super dimensional. You typically want at least a little bit of an athlete at the quarterback position. A.J. Swan doesn't quite give you that. But against Hawaii, he did throw for three touchdowns, no picks, so... You like to see that if you are a Vanderbilt football fan. They do return their top four wide receivers in terms of production from last season. That unit is led by Will Shepard, who had two touchdowns in that Hawaii game. So certainly some playmakers there. The key for them is just going to be protecting the quarterback. That's something they really could not do last year. And that affected the running game as well. If you can't block, if you can't get the run going, it's going to be very tough for the quarterback and wide receivers to be able to put together some offensive drives. That Hawaii game was no different. Running backs only ended up with 30 yards on the day, if I'm not mistaken, and A.J. Swan was sacked three times, so the O-line issues do persist, even against a Hawaii team. So that's going to be an area where South Carolina can certainly take advantage. You know, Be strong up in the trenches, 
use Tonka, use Jordan Strawn, get to the quarterback, shut down the run, and we should be able to take care of business easily with Vanderbilt. On the defensive side of the ball, like I said earlier, that's supposed to be Clark Lee's bread and butter, but it hasn't really come to fruition yet. They ranked 122 in the country last year. They don't really have much of a pass rush. They brought in some transfers, hopefully trying to fix that problem there. But again, until we see it actually happen, it doesn't look bright. In their secondary, that is probably the strength of their defense. They have safety Jalen Mahoney, along with Derek Wright, who actually had two picks in that Hawaii game. So they have some playmakers there in the secondary of their defense, but it's going to start with a run, use the run game to take advantage of this Vanderbilt defense, let that build into the pass, and that's how you're going to be able to have a day and be successful against that defensive unit. One player to watch out for from this Vanderbilt team actually is on their special teams, wide receiver Jaden McGowan, actually from Lawrence, South Carolina originally, three-star recruit. Some are saying one of the fastest players in all of college football. He had a huge 97-yard return against Hawaii. Expect Coach Limbo and the special teams unit to be fully prepared for him, but that's certainly another playmaker on that squad, and we need to make sure we cover him on special teams. In this game, should come to no surprise, I have South Carolina winning this one. I have us winning big. I just think we are at another level above Vanderbilt. Don't think they're necessarily in the place to compete with us. You know, down the road doesn't mean they can't turn this thing around. But at least in this season, I have South Carolina winning 42-20. to Next up on the schedule, we have the Kentucky Wildcats. They're coming to Williams-Brice, coming off a 7-6 season. Last year, we did finally snap our streak against them for whatever reason they had our number in recent years. Wasn't pretty, not a game I really enjoyed losing, but we did finally snap that. We won pretty handedly in that game. Defense played out of their minds, held them to only 14 points, and I believe this year's going to be no different. If we needed any extra motivation, if you guys haven't already heard, Darude, the original DJ of Sandstorm, will be in attendance. He'll be doing a concert in Gamecock Park before the game, and he will be the celebrity starter of Gamecocks that we typically see on the field before the game gets started. Before I jump into this deep dive, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with Kentucky. I don't know what it is, but their fans on social media are just out of pocket. I I have pretty logical conversations on Twitter and other platforms with fans of other teams. But for whatever reason, you cannot reason with any Kentucky fan out there. When I post a video or post a tweet, all I see from Kentucky fans are SC Junior or South Carolina getting all hyped just to go 7-6, and what have you. I mean, guys, come on. You're a basketball school. That's awesome. You've had great success there. But in football, you're you're not at that level. You're not an elite powerhouse. (laughs) I don't know what you're trying to do talking down to other teams. I mean, we are on the same level. I think South Carolina has the edge right now. There's been years where Kentucky's been a little bit better than us, but we are in the middle of the SEC East pack. We have our years back and forth. South Carolina has had much, much more success than Kentucky has and probably ever will. South Carolina is a team that (laughs) in the clowny years was in the top five, was in the top 10 consistently. Kentucky is not that football team. You guys have not made it. Yes, you had our number the last couple of years. But guys, quit the talk. You have nothing to back it up. Try to beat us this year. 
Hey, if you do, I'll give you props. But you are not that team. Listen, if you couldn't get it done with a guy that was drafted in the second round and Will Levis, and you got absolutely blown out in the bowl game by Iowa, I don't think you have much to talk right now. Let your play on the field earn you that right. But until that happens, I'd probably keep quiet if I were a Kentucky fan. All right, getting into the deep dive here on Kentucky this year, they are now going to be led by NC State transfer Devin Leary. And guys, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much. I know it's just hating on Kentucky, but I'll give him props where it's due. My hot take for the season is that Devin Leary is going to end up a top three quarterback in the SEC. Is a guy that had great success at NC State last year, comes over to a Kentucky team that is bringing back some talent, and I think he is the answer at quarterback for them. I think he's more talented than Will Levis. Don't be mistaken from where Levis was drafted. I think a lot of that was potential and other variables in there. But I think Devin Leary is a better college quarterback. And I think he's going to find a lot more success at Kentucky this season. They do bring back all five of their top producing wide receivers. They're all quick, can get over the top. So we need to be careful of that. Their biggest issue last year on offense was the offensive line. They couldn't protect the quarterback. They couldn't run the ball. They didn't really make too many changes in the offseason, so I'm not sure exactly how they plan on that changing. But I guess they're counting on guys taking a huge leap into the season. I don't necessarily see it happening. I think that's how our defense is able to overtake the offense again and just win in the trenches. And that's always where games are decided. Moving on to their defense, that was the strongest part of this team last year, even with Will Levis there. They held opponents to 19 points a game. They did lose a lot of pieces on the defensive line. They bring back their linebackers, though. Most of their sacks come from that linebacker crew, so they do blitz a lot. Obviously, we'll be well prepared for that. But the defensive line isn't necessarily a scary unit, if I'm looking at it. Again, you win in the trenches. I like our O-line this year. I know we've been figuring out where the right pieces are, but I think the unit that we go into the season with will be able to win up front, and that's going to be the key. Just like it is against Kentucky's offense, it's going to be the key for us against Kentucky's defense. Their secondary also lost three starters, so I think this is a game we're going to be able to pass pretty easily in. Jordan Lovett comes back at the safety position for them, and he is a great player. But outside of him, a lot of question marks in their secondary. Spencer Rattler should be having himself a field day at home, at Willie B, coming off a Darude concert. Guys, this is going to be a good one. I've got South Carolina winning this one as well, 27-17. to Finally, the final game of the season, the rivalry against that team in the upstate. We don't say their name around here. And this is where... If I want to conform with the national media, if I want to avoid all the hate, I would just say, I'll say their name, Clemson would be better than South Carolina. That's what I should say. That's what national media wants me to say. Listen, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to be fair. But why are we just handing Clemson the win over South Carolina? We went into their place last season with nobody giving us an ounce of credit or any hope to beat them. And guess what? They had the college football playoff on the line, and we beat them. At their place, we stormed their field. We owned Death Valley that day. And guess what? This year, they're coming to South Carolina. Shane Beamer has this one circled, as he does every single year. He does not sleep on this game, and I honestly believe 
We have their number. This is the rivalry game. One of the best rivalries in all of college football. They have their years. We have our years. Our time is now. We also went out and proved that we can play toe-to-toe with the best teams in the entire country. In that bowl game, I mean, we're a couple plays away from beating Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a constant top 10 team in the country. So it wasn't just a fluke what we did against Tennessee, what we did against Clemson. We showed that in the bowl game against Notre Dame, and we were down a lot of pieces in that game too. We had a lot of guys either transfer, go to the NFL draft, or sit out that one due to injury, and we were right there with sort of a half roster. And now we get to bring reinforcements to that. Guys, we're right there with some of these top teams. But let's start with Clemson's offense. Obviously, the big joke last year was DJ Uyagale. He probably got more hate than he actually deserved. He really wasn't that terrible of a quarterback. But he's a guy that really just, you know, he's on the same level of Trevor Lawrence, not on the same level of Deshaun Watson. And that shouldn't really minimize what he can do. But, you know, probably best for him to move on. And, you know, good for Clemson fans to get rid of him. They're bringing in the guy they wanted, Cade Klubnik. And he looked decent at the end of last year, threw for a lot of yards, but he really did struggle in that Orange Bowl game, had two picks, no touchdowns. Clemson's also bringing in a new offensive coordinator and Garrett Riley, who obviously did great at TCU. Riley is a guy that was rumored to be a guy we were looking at for the offensive coordinator position back when we ended up hiring Satterfield. So very well-respected offensive mind, and Clemson's hoping that he can sort of take over and revitalize that offense. They have five stars all over the roster. They're bringing back a lot of production at wide receiver, at running back. The offensive line, at least the interior, is very experienced. They are starting two young sophomores at tackle. But Will Shipley's back, Antonio Williams, Bo Collins. They expect Adam Randall to have a huge year coming off that ACL. So they have the pieces there. They put up a lot of points, but that is against ACC competition. They did struggle when they played some of the better teams in the country. And I think just giving them different looks, you know, it starts in the trenches, as I've said throughout this episode. That is where you're going to be able to win these games. Kid is a young quarterback. You need to get to him. You need to bother him, not allow him to sit back and go through his progressions. And that's where you're going to be able to generate turnovers and be opportunistic with your defense. On the defensive side for them, they bring back a lot of pieces, but one of the biggest knocks on them this offseason is just Dabo refuses to go to that transfer portal. You know, it's a personal decision. He doesn't believe in it. He wants to build within. But what that's done is made them very thin across the board. Obviously, they got Tyler Davis and Duke up front, who are great defensive linemen. Linebacker, they're bringing back Trotter, Barrett Carter. They have an experienced secondary. But behind all those guys, they don't really have anybody that's proven or necessarily on that same level to step up. They refuse to go to the portal. And so while they have some younger guys, they're all unproven. And injuries do happen in college football. If those guys go down, who is going to step up? We really don't know. There's nobody with experience on that roster behind their starters. That does concern me if I'm a Clemson fan. You know, like I said, injuries will happen. What's going to happen when one of those guys go down? I said it at the beginning of the episode, I'm expecting people to laugh at me. I'm expecting the hate comments. But there is reasoning behind all these picks. It may not work out perfectly. We may not have the year I'm thinking we're having. But I do think it's possible. It's been a long time since we could say we're going to have a year like this. 
but it's right there in front of us. We still need to execute. We need to be great. We need to keep up the play that we saw at the end of last year. But I think all of that is there, and the game plan is set out for us. I have South Carolina beating Clemson. Guys, remember, we beat them last year at their place. Now they're coming to williams Price. Now they're in our stadium, 84,000 of us strong. South Carolina's getting the win, 27-24. to 24. That brings us to the end of our 2023 season breakdown. If you've been following along, I have South Carolina ending up at 10-2. and 2. I know on the surface that sounds nuts. And maybe thinking we're going undefeated at home is a little bit hopeful of me. Maybe a little bit of a homer pick. But I think it's possible. And then all I'm saying is we're going 2-2 two and two on the road. We're going to be 500 on the road. That's where two of our losses are coming from. And mind you, when I picked us to lose against Tennessee, I had people in my comments thinking we're going in there and winning. So the upside is there. We could steal a game like that and then drop one of these later in the season. But I think 10-2, and two, in fairness, I'll say 10-2 is the ceiling. I think if 10-2 and two happens, this is the route that it does happen. Lucky for us, we end the year on a long home stretch, and we get to use that to our advantage. Maybe outside looking in, the most realistic ends up being 8-4, and 9-3. and three. I think 9 wins is very conceivable this year, and I see a roadmap for us to get to 10 wins. And I do not think that's crazy. It's been a long time since we can say that. But if you listen to these episodes, there's a reason why we can win all of these games. Even the games I picked us to lose, there's a reason we can win those as well. I appreciate you all following along. Like I said, four days until football, and then we can see if I'm wrong, if I'm right. But guys, it is here. The preseason is behind us. It is game week. I cannot wait for Charlotte. Make sure to tune in for Thursday's episode. We'll be getting into our seasonal breakdown, and we'll be making some individual player predictions. I'll see you all Thursday, and until then, go Cox!